Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Jones of all ages, welcome to the main event of the evening. It's Talking Joe with Chief and Steve. Yo, yo! Yo, Joe! Hey, hey, diddly, hey, 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 it's me, the Chiefy Two-Shoes, joined by you, Steve, from South Africa, or Manila, or Australia, I don't know, where am I? Worldwide oh, Steve, no. we call you from now on. <laughs> what happened to S-Jubs? S-Jubs party, ain't no party like an S-Jubs party, baby. Oh, drop it. <laughs> you know, S Club 7 wasn't nearly as big outside of the UK as it was inside of the UK. Really? So, okay, uh, fine. <laughs> so this is going to be an education for everybody else. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. How are you, my friend? I'm well, surprisingly. I mean, uh, we don't want to dwell on it too much, but with all this craziness going around, it's good to be in fine health. But uh, the situation under which I am is is pretty unique. I've just travelled from Manila back to Australia to be with my wife, and uh, Australian government has this 14-day quarantine in effect. And since my wife works in health services, we are being very, very diligent to the okay. point where, like, we are not allowed to make contact. Last night, yeah. I sat in the quarantine room, as I'm calling it, the sort of the front room of the apartment, and she yeah. had dinner outside in the passageway. It's it's quite absurd, Chief. It really oh, right. Is. Okay, you're not even allowed to interact with each other, is what you're saying. No hanky-panky, baby. I mean, she's dealing, wow. obviously, with very young patients and super old, yeah. frail patients. So, like, yeah, she really does want to make a, a point of this. Okay, so the deal in the UK was, it was similar. Is it If you have symptoms and you live in a house with someone else, you have to stay two metres away. So you also have to sleep in a separate bed. And then the new advice came out that if someone in your household has a symptom whether it be a persistent cough shortness of breath or a high temperature then everyone in the household must self-isolate for 14 days now my daughter developed a cough on sunday that she did not have before which means okay fine it was set actually it's seven on monday it was seven days or sorry on sunday night into monday it was seven days and then that went to 14 days so it effectively meant that myself and my wife and my kid have to stay in the house for 14 days without leaving it. My wife also works in the healthcare and she was at work Monday and then the new policies came out Monday evening in the UK and so she was like, well, fine, so she didn't go to work today and now, <laughs> you know, that's it, we're all housebound. I've got a chart on the wall, like a prisoner in a cell block, scratching oh, off the man. days. I'm one day in and already I think we've had about 10 arguments in the house. It's uh, crazy times. For healthcare workers in the UK, right. they're potentially going to relax that because they don't want so many of them off. So she might, may well be able to go back to work. But yeah, <laughs> and uh, provide some much needed relief for the chief. Yeah, well, buddy. I hope I hope you're writing daycare. So, oh, dear, that is the other concern. Like parents are going to be run down completely during all this. Like you know, the days off school and 
days of being housebound. But I just hope you're writing your memoirs of how you lived <laughs> through Corona, because this is going to be one of those things, man, that we all reflect yeah. on. Like we lived Crazy through times. this ridiculous, ridiculous time. We tried to do a. Uh, we tried. We, I mean, we're we're fairly well stocked. We. I didn't get into all that panic buying. I was like, I'm not getting involved. You know, these people are idiots. They're just purchasing all stuff and denying other people i'm just going to shop at my leisure but then of course a the advice was to be housebound so it's like oh well i can't actually go out to the shops now and if i live in a house with someone that's got symptoms if i do go out i'm kind of contravening the advice and social distancing only works if everyone does it so i'm like oh, i have to stay in the house and then secondly i was like okay let's try and get an online delivery order to the house and it's like three weeks till the next delivery slot so you know, I'll be e- eating the cardboard and stuff. But no, I'm, I'm, we're fairly well stocked up, so I think we'll be okay. But yeah, crazy times, man. The question on my lips, of course, is did you manage to stock up on a snack for the show? Baby, you know, that's, that's <laughs> my priority, man. You know, I snuck it in, black market and all that kind of shiz. But before I get on to the snack, because I have got it in my hand, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, <laughs> oh, you know. I have got a, I've got a gaming chair now. I think I mentioned on the pod, it might have been Chris's last episode, that I had ordered an X-Rocker gaming chair for the loft, mainly for podcasting purposes, so I don't have to sit on a milking stool. I'll take a picture <laughs> of that milking stool. In fact, I'm going to take I'm just reaching around. I'm going to take a picture of this milking stool now. I'm going to send it to you live on the show your so back you must be ironclad chief so you can see have... how tiny it is and i'll post a picture up for the uh, <laughs> for the listeners that is in my hand i'm holding that up um but yeah so i ordered this uh chair and i ordered it from argos because i knew it was up the road i can return it free of charge to test if it would fit through the loft ordered it it fit through the loft took it back almost broke my back because it's like 20 kilos carrying that massive box then i ordered it from ebay a week ago Monday and it said three days delivery so it came to like Wednesday they sent me a tracking number looked up the tracking number and the tracking company DPD said we have no record of this item so Mm. okay fine the seller had created a shipping label but hadn't actually delivered the product to the people that were going to be shipping it so I messaged them saying where is the chair and they said don't worry it'll be with you soon I was like okay fine sent them another message saying I know it'll be with me soon but where physically is the chair right now (laughs) They sent me a reply saying, the chair will surely be with you soon. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much the same as your previous message, but you put surely in there. And then I sent them another message saying, where's the chair? The chair, you chose delivery four to seven days. The chair will be with you on Monday. And I was like, no, I didn't. It said three days on my delivery slip, pal. Um, This is all over eBay messaging chat because you can't get hold of these clowns on eBay. Of course. And then finally, the chair arrived yesterday. Brilliant. So lugged that big box in, opened it up. My first concern was when I had got the chair from Argos, it had uh, X Rocker branded tape securing the box. This box did not have X Rocker tape securing mm. the box. It just Black had regular seller tape. Okay, so this box has already been previously opened. Open it up. Everything looks to be pretty much there. I think this is an old school inside Chief's mind anyway. But um, everything <laughs> seems to be there, except when I get the arms out, and they sent me two left arms. Oh, man. They sent me two left arms. Well, uh, I don't so want to be self-righteous or nothing, but uh, somebody got you back for uh, being the kind of guy who buys and then reseals and then <laughs> sends back to the store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I messaged him up and I said, listen, um, I've got two left arms here, pal. What's, uh, what's the shakedown? What's the dilio? And uh, he said, oh, sorry, uh, I'll send you the right arms in the post. I said, I don't want two, just want one. Send me one right arm. So he sent me, get the message up that he sent me. Uh, 
How do we get to that? Uh, message? Oh, look, someone's bought some of my comics on eBay. Uh, the Black Stars, recent three-issue miniseries by Grant Morrison. Someone's just bought that for £7.99. Better get them in the post tomorrow. Oh, shit, I can't get them in the post because I can't uh... leave the house. Uh, actually, uh, my Hermes, as a collection, they do a collection service. Anyway, uh, back to this guy. Yeah, he said, hi, the right arm is on the way by Hermes and trucking number is blah, blah, blah. Now, please send the left arm back. Oh, he didn't geez. send me a return like postage label. So am I supposed to post that at my own expense? Don't know. Anyway, I built the chair with one arm. I sent you a picture. It pl- has plugged it into the audio. Basically, I've got, I've got boombox subwoofers on the back. I've got rumbles on the chair. So it's all very good. So anyway, we can move and... on to snacks now if you want. <laughs> Outstanding. Blast off. Hey, buddy. You got any snacks? Chief, I've got you covered. Potato chips, crisps, biscuits and candy Washing them down with a whiskey or a brandy Chewy sweets, cookies, built and jerky Snacks running fear because we got them at our mercy We're snackers, attackers Bad mother truckers and we're eating all the crackers Munchers, crunchers Knock out snacks like we're heavyweight punchers The snack police are in there, here's out I'm going first this week So it. I have a Not fry... a Benanito please <laughs> no, no, no more of them, they're all gone Lovely. How come you can say it and I can't? Um, I've got a Tribe Peanut Butter Crunch All Natural Energy Plant-Based Snack. Turn it over. It is a formulated for energy, protein, carbs and fats, vegan, gluten and dairy-free, gluten-free grain flapjack with peanut butter. Let's get it open. 50 grams. Oh, it looks good. Good peel on that wrapper. Let's have a go. Oh, yeah. It, it didn't lie. It has got a crunch to it. Fantastic. And it does taste of peanut butter. I'm going to go on mute while I eat this. You tell the <laughs> listeners what you got. Tick and tick. Well, I am still tucking into some very authentic Filipino snacks uh, provided to me by my buddy who works at a convenience store there. Uh, this one is called Curly Tops, and the packaging is a little cardboard box. Uh, looks like something out of the 1940s or 50s, a kind of an old-school art-style beautiful design i certainly hope these guys get posted up on the socials because it's worth having a look at uh, i'm gonna pop the top of the box yeah quick quick interjection there <laughs> i have forgotten to post the pictures of last week's snacks which i'm actually doing right now as you're speaking so by the time this podcast lands uh, you will have seen the pictures of our snacks two days ago which we actually ate a week ago anyway what a on. lad i'm gonna take a picture of the contents of the box because they're little Little cups, little chocolate cups akin to uh, a Reese's peanut butter cup. But I'm going to pop one in my mouth. I hope this isn't a wrapper that I'm about to eat. It looks (laughs) like a wrapper. Anyway, here we go. Hmm. It says it's milk chocolate, but it's got like a powdery taste to it. Mm. You're not convinced. Mm, It's not smooth. Yeah, I don't know, man. Just tastes like (laughs) cooking chocolate to me. Ouch. (laughs) But certainly, I mean, the journey is the destination, right? And this is a very unique way to consume chocolate, especially at 6 a.m. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. My mind does not know what time it is right about now. I'm jet lagged. It's early. I'm in the land down under. This is this is weird. <laughs> Quality. Mm-hmm. I've got a strange aftertaste on my one that was very, very sweet, and I wasn't expecting it. So I'm downgrading it half a mark for that. And I think I just did eat a wrapper. <laughs> I'm spitting out pieces of paper right now. Ah, delicious. How many more uh, Filipino snacks are in your bag? Mm, 
I've got two more, but I think oh, they might geez. expand. Well, I had to str- I had to stretch it out, Chief, because I mean, for the next fourteen days, I'm housebound. Oh baby. yeah, mm. yeah, of course, of course. But your good wife will be able to leave the house and get provisions. Hmm. And of course, there's always the online delivery service. I don't think it's quite as backed up here as it is in the UK, okay. but uh, that might have changed by now. Interesting. Anyways, let's not dwell. Anyways, uh, we're snacked up, so now it's time for us to get comicked up because it's time for comic talk. Oh yeah! It's comic talk. It's comic talk, baby. Chief and Steve discussing like crazy. Larry Harmer riding these bad boys, making sense of the wackiest toys. Listen as we talk about story arcs, making noise louder than junkyard box. Talking about character motivations and all the various GI Joe fun locations. Comic talk. Larry Harmer. Chiefy Two Shoes. And it ain't no party like an S-Job party. Last time on A Real American Hero. Cobra's plot to infiltrate G.I. Joe's secret facility locked in the Chrysler building has backfired. Firefly and Crystal Ball are taken down by a quick-thinking Jane and the facility is safe. Meanwhile, Flint, Lady J and Roadblock begin to prep for an ultra-secret operation to take a foe G.I. Joe believed to be dead, Darklon. As the team heads to Castle Darklon, Sneak Peek continues to reveal the tale of his undercover work in the Darklonian Alps to Chuckles. In Brooklyn, Snake Eyes, Storm Shadow and Billy listen intently to the master of the Russian Arashikage Dojo who tells them his clan's history and warns of a new threat to the Arashikage. Excellently done. So, um, across these two issues, we've kind of got three subplots going on. We've got the insertion team or the extraction team, like we mentioned, of Lady J, Flint and Roadblock. Uh, who are going into Darklonia to extract Darklon. We've got Sneak Peek retelling what happened to him when he was a deep cover agent. And we've got this kind of ninja showdown between Billy, Snake Eye, Storm Shadow and these new introduction, a couple of guys dressed in bluish grey camo. So Blue yeah, ninjas, going on. perhaps? <laughs> yeah. And you had messaged me saying you're you know excited for these issues because there are a couple of crackers. And me now having read them about an hour ago... Um, Yes, definitely. These are a full pedal to the metal, full throttle issues. These were a great fun time was had here. Which cover are you looking at? Ah, of course, covers. So on my issues, I've got the Herb Trimpe, which is the cover B, and it's Roadblock, Flint and Lady J kind of in the brush, sneaking about uh, off of the back of Larry Hummy pencils. And my small insert on the inside cover, I see cover A by S.L. Gallant and Erskine, which is... Uh, it looks like Darklon is kind of in a fisty cuffs with Flint. With Is that Destro in the background, actually? It is. Which doesn't happen in the issue. For sure, man. Yeah, Destro doesn't show up and Darklon no. doesn't get the upper hand. No. But uh, the point I wanted to make about the Gallant cover is yeah. it seems to evoke some kind of vampire movie. I mean, Yeah, it does. It's got these ruins of a castle. Uh, yeah. There's blood on Darklon's gloved hand. Yeah. It's like his kind of glowing, glowing eyes as well. It's kind of vampiric totally, a little bit. Totally. And, I mean, it almost looks like he's kind of removed Flint's heart, Temple of Doom style. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah, yeah. Because there's that, blood coming off that glove. And, and Flint looks deceased. I mean, it, it looks like yep. he's breathing out his last breath. Yeah, it's, a, it's actually a really nice cover. I really, really dig that cover. 
Mm. Trimpy's not bad. I mean, he certainly got his hardware on point again. The guy okay. loves technical detail. And it occurs to me that he also loves drawing authentic aircraft, which is perhaps why in the previous cover he nailed the Black Hawk helicopter as opposed to the Tomahawk. Yes. Yes. Which is his preference. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's just jump forward to a number. Have you got the next one as well to hand? For sure. Uh, uh, 172, yeah. So cover A is the SL Gallant and Gary Erskine, and this is Darklon in cuffs, kind of being escorted away. Who's in the Skyhawk? Who is in the Skyhawk? I've got this yeah. tiny insert, so I can't tell. Can you see All oh, right. Uh, well, it looks like a commando version of Snake Eyes, but you know what? It could be anyone. Maybe they've invented a Joe with a flight suit to kind of yeah. be the close air support. And again, this doesn't happen in the issue, does it? He's not escorted in chains um, mm. because he's pretty much got a sucking chest wound, I think, has he? <laughs> does he now? <laughs> <laughs> could that be um, a Larry Harmerism? That could be a Larry Harmerism. Um, <laughs> then you've got the cover B, which is uh, Herb Trimpe off of the Larry Harmer pencils. And this is one of the Blue Ninjas loaded for bear, standing over some prone bodies. I feel like I'm quoting Chief when I say the inks look quite heavy on on Trimpy stuff. I wonder who inked him. Yeah, they do. Uh, Who did, let me have a look at that. He probably did himself. Yeah, just as art by Trimper. Yeah, so I think he inked himself there, actually. Right on. Okay. But interestingly there, and I haven't noticed this in the issues, on this cover, the Blue Ninja has the Arashikage hexagram symbol on his on his chest yeah quite is, prominently is that, too quite That's, prominently is that is that just on the cover because I, I can't remember seeing it in the issues but maybe it was there i think it would be just on the cover and i think that might be trimpy misinterpreting what the events of this issue are but then again okay. you flick to larry harmer's pencils and the hexagram is there maybe larry included it as like a you know just something to throw the the the, the comic book buyers like senses off i mean yeah it's it's full of contradictions then. Yeah. It's like, be. is this could guy be. Arashikage? I mean, we learn that they're not, but perhaps just to keep the mystery alive. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. It, it, you know, it's... it's I, I like the covers in the fact that um, some of them are depicting stuff that happened and the Gallant ones potentially not, you know. You know it's it's misleading choice. on purpose, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, possibly, yeah. So um, like, <laughs> I fooled you. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> this first issue, or it, it does focus heavily on the Darklonian stuff, i.e. sneak peek and then the team that's going in. And we only really get a page of ninja action on the very last page, I think it is, of that issue. So the, the stuff that happens in Darklonia, it's really fast-paced issues, I think. you know, it, There's not mm. really a let-up, is there? Well, this is another Harmer trope, and you're reading the floppies, so you can actually probably see this physically. I mean, are there yeah. any commercials in the, the original issue? No, so on these IDW, whereas the Marvel ones, they kind of had the, the adverts and things interspliced through the comic. With the IDW floppies, they put all the adverts at the back, so you actually got uninterrupted stories throughout. So each alternating page jumps back from Darklonia to... Uh, the Chuckles sneak peek debrief. Ah, I hadn't right? actually spotted that. I, I hadn't yeah. actually spotted that. I was seeing that there were bits of each story, but I again, you're the man, that's why you're on the show, pointing <laughs> out the stuff that I miss. But yeah, you're right, it literally is every other page, isn't it? Well, yeah, man, it's it's like a David Lynch film. It's like intercutting yeah. between the two scenes, you know, 
bish bash bish bash bish bash um and and i suppose it's on the page turn each time you flip you you've got you know the different uh setting yeah yeah right mm-hmm. so i've got the sneak peek stuff on the left the dark long stuff on the right yeah and the tempo gets you know it, it feels like it quickens i guess as you get more action and more intrigue yeah yeah it's really good mm. i mean you know i like the stuff they you know we mentioned last episode that maybe there was some flack for sneak peek coming back and stuff but i you know I, i'm enjoying his retelling of his deep cover stuff and you know how how he got saved because the the guards thought they had found a spy last last episode we discussed and they opened up his case and it turns out to be a guitar in there which katya had kind of stashed and was covering for him so and that kind of burgeoning relationship you know i'm 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 enjoying all that stuff hmm do you think there was a romantic relationship uh spot oh yeah yeah i think there was oh yeah yeah. although you know when when he does well i'm not sure because when he does escape you know she's cutting is that in the next issue where he's cutting the fence and he's says you know come with me and she's like no i want to stay with the resistance so it he doesn't go full-on love story i think there's just enough of a you know yeah it's 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 at the end of this uh this issue but i mean obviously you know it's it's commentary on the fact that she regards the cause above all else yeah you know she's not going to run off to the united states and try and live out a happy life she's going to stay home and keep fighting the darklonian regime that's it and the the dialogue's Mm. pretty much on point it's very tight throughout you know uh, there's this the scenes there's no verbose over over editing of, of the dialogue i think it's really good and um again another violent issue i was finding i was a lot of joe's killing vipers and and kind of blood splashes and stuff which we hadn't really seen uh, in the marvel run the whole time we were kind of in the tomahawk anticipating this mission i figured it was far more covert than it turns out being i mean this is essentially a full-on assault yeah. conducted by three members of the G.I. Joe team. Like, it just speaks to how hardcore Roadblock, Lady J, Flint are, that they can take on, yeah. you know, untold amount of enemies. <laughs> you know, just the three of them. Very yeah, resourceful. This was, this, was, this was an extraction with kind of, you know, at all costs. It wasn't covertly sneak in, grab the guy while no one's looking and get out. This was a you know obviously that that, that they want to do it without drawing as much attention as possible but if push comes to shove which it does they, they've given carte blanche to you know waste as many vipers as deemed necessary to get darklon out it took two stealth choppers with um navy seals on both to take out uh, osama <laughs> three joes <laughs> in one tomahawk is all it takes to get darklon <laughs> Well, when nice it's Flint, Lady J, and a roadblock, then that's all you need. They don't muck around, man. Yeah, yeah. I love this stuff. I really do. This is GI Joe at its best. Yeah. You know, Are you the, a fan the... of that um, Cobra Python color scheme and, and outfit? No, but it's always going to be linked to Darklon, which is a nice bit of continuity. It's not just a, a fad. He's actually taken them on to be his personal god. Sans the kind of radar-defeating technology. I mean, it's not really touched on that, that they have any kind of actual stealth ability. But no. the fact that, like, that Viper uniform has been retained and, and kind of exists purely for Darklon, that's nice. It's a nice kind of identifier. Though, yeah, so- it, 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 I am confused. Are these Darklonian troops of Darklons that he's just kind of equipped with Cobra stuff... 
I guess yeah. that that's would be what, the case. That's literally the question I was going to ask you. Are these <laughs> troopers that Cobra Commanders loan Darklon, are they mercenaries or are they, you know, Darklonian, you know, army troops that have, like you said, acquired these outfits? I'm not, I'm not too sure. But I think, um, yeah, I mean, the Pythonizing thing definitely was something that Cobra marketed to Darklon specifically. And I guess he took that ball and just ran with it. Uh, maybe he had a whole mess of these uniforms as surplus after Cobra, you know, discovered a new fad of the week. Um, yeah. And he's just been running them out ever since. My yeah. question is, where in the timeline does this take place? Is this just a few years after the original Marvel run concluded? It must do, because otherwise sneak peeks have been sort of undercover for like 12 years. Yeah, he says he's been undercover for one year in this. Yeah, just over a year. So, I mean, this follows hot on the heels. We've actually had zero time lapse from when the pit was closed in 155. Yeah. And then, you know, things resuming in like... Yeah, 155.5, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want to pick out a couple of panels here. This is four pages from the end. The uh-huh. Joes are out and they're, they're just about to board the chopper. A wild bill saying, hot extraction pour on the fire suppression recondo and there's a lovely panel of a uh, door gunner recondo and uh the, the way that fire burst from the gun just Oof, looks fantastic in yeah it's got a sort of a, a halo yeah and then the the muzzle flash as well the halo is new and i i, I don't know you you like it chief yeah. i'm undecided not not so much a fan unrealistic Look, i love how intense the whites are on modern yeah. comics Okay. You know, that kind of muzzle flash that actually looks like there's a light source on the page. Yeah. That's something we never had back in the, the 80s and 90s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other thing that's interesting on the page is that the chin gun on the tomahawk is also laying the pain. And that's it. I mean, that is, that is a Gatling gun. That's a, a rotating barrel. I mean, that thing must just be putting out thousands and thousands of rounds and yet these pythonized uh, vipers are just kind of charging into it yeah Poor well, we fools. see the, we see the effects on the next panel i can count one two three four five i think six bodies on the floor and then one two three four of them are biting the dust as we speak so yeah you'd these swear pyth- they think they were invisible in their pythonized yeah. equipment or like or, or they think they're stormtroopers or something yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, endless supply of just uh, yeah. Uh, Ricondo's actually saying lots of uh, seven point six two NATO going downrange, and I'm I'm pretty sure Larry Harmer. You know, again, uh, looks like we got another Larry Harmerism. I'm hearing the same things over and over again. It's like we're trapped, incarcerated, locked down in a bind, stuck in a prism. Hey, what you talking about, Chief? It's just a Larry Harmerism. He kind of mentions 7.62 NATO or the the caliber of the bullet quite a lot, doesn't he, in the comics? Mm-hmm. Yep. Always a little bit of gun porn for you. Yep. Yep. Um, and the, the big twist of this storyline comes on the penultimate page where they actually have left one of these pythonized vipers alive. And oh, as that's great. With his mask kind of half ripped yeah. open. Yep. Yep. Uh, as as the tomahawk is lifting off to go, he he gets one final burst and actually catches both Lady J and Darklon, and the chopper. And, yeah, and the chopper. Everything's yeah. critical. Yeah, high drama on board the tomahawk. And of course, uh, as luck would have it, there's only enough plasma and coagulant for one of these two individuals. And Flint says it's my call. And then on the very last page, we don't find out what his call is. We have to wait till next issue because the last page is a van pulling up outside the 
Brighton Beach uh, Arashikage Dojo, some random guy with a rocket launcher comes out the top and chucks a rocket into the dojo. What's better than one cliffhanger ending? <laughs> Two cliffhanger endings. To Damn, be continued, man. yeah. Well, luckily, yeah. we can continue right now because we're covering the next issue. Now, at the very beginning of this next issue, we actually see two guys coming out of this van which has laid this assault on the dojo. One of them has got kind of uh, normal-looking goggles with kind of green tints, and another one just kind of has one big glowing green kind of eye in the middle of his faceplate. So, kind of reminds me of the ninja from Metal Gear Solid. Yes, it does. Mm, yes, that single optic. Yeah. Uh, bit of discussion on that a bit later. Small spoiler there for for what you're in for later. And again, you know, as I've mentioned before, I don't want to beat the, the drum on this. It'll be the last time. Even though I've read these issues, because my memory is so bad, they're almost like coming to them fresh. I do pick up little bits and pieces, but. These guys, I had forgotten, as we find out later in the issue, that these aren't actually fully-fledged human beings inside, that they're kind of some sort of cyborgs. Am I right? Yeah. Well, by the end of the issue, they're calling them a half-man, half-cyborg, something to that effect. Yeah, kind but of Darth Vader's. Yeah, they do seem completely teched out, except yeah. they're, I mean, for robots, they are extremely well-spoken. <laughs> you find they've got a very very high brow approach to language which yeah. i suppose is another larry homerism yeah, everyone yeah. speaks like philosophers <laughs> he's more machine now than man twisted and evil yeah and they they kind of show their evilness early because some street punk is coming up to uh he says i'm gonna jack you up and and the guy's just literally shot him point blank dead that guy must have been hopped up on something because i mean <laughs> He's got a pistol, sure, but surely he saw exactly how heavily armed yeah. these guys in, like, camo, arm, you know, military yeah. uniforms. Like, damn, what was he thinking? He was going to gun well, them down? He kind of looks like a, an early version of uh, early uh, WWE John Cena. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Totally. Thug life. And what I like about this, this Blue Ninja is I kind of like the speech bubbles where it's kind of a bit translucent-y. So... Some panels, it makes it a little bit, not not hard to read, but it makes it, you have to, you look a bit closer to read the speech, the, the bubbles of dialogue, which he's having conversations with the other guy. But I kind of like that, that kind of twist of just making it a little bit different. Is that dialogue between the two? So it's not That's coming from I a assumed, third party? Yes, mm. yeah. Okay. So uh, anytime uh, you've got the translucent purple bubble, it's yes. radio chatter. Yes, yeah. Gotcha. And I, I like... I like this scene where he's going in to assess the damage because he's actually after the Russian guy and you get some the camera he's looking at and he's looking at some bodies on the floor. He's looking at Billy and he says, this one's too young. Then he looks at Storm Show and he says, too Asian. He looks <laughs> at the snake eyes and he says, too unusual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you bet. They could have done uh, Snake Eyes' mask a little bit more evidently, but it's kind of coming up on the one side. So yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it definitely isn't human. It always seems to look very human-esque, and I suppose this is just, you know, the, the shortcomings of the medium. But, like, surely a rubber mask does not look terribly lifelike, you know, no. in actual fact. I mean, I don't know what kind of technologies the Joes have at their disposal, but I'm going to say mm, high like Mission tech. Impossible, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Mission Impossible yeah, mission, kind yeah. of faces. <laughs> yeah. Elsewhere, Flint has made the call, and he's going to save Lady J. Now, 
I actually, when I read it for the first time round, I thought the obvious choice is he's going to say save Lady J. So I thought the twist was going to be he was going to say save Darklon. But no, he actually went with, you know, saving his his lover, his paramour, Lady J. So Totally. And she was giving him nothing but flack two issues ago. So yeah, yeah. clearly the, the lover's spat is, uh, has yeah. been ended by some NATO 7.62. Yeah, and then she actually pulls a piece on him right up in his chin and says, <laughs> you better give this to the Darklon, buddy boy. It's a different piece to the one that she used to uh, zap Darklon in the previous issue. Yeah, she had a funky thing there, which was almost like a, I don't know. Like, taser. Like a, taser attached It was a taser attached to, to like a, a regular gun. I don't know. Weird, but... Yeah, but it was a different model of gun, which kind of like flies in the face of the fact that she was so hard on using the same hardware and not have it re-cleaned i don't know if you recall some issues back uh you know one of the the kind of uh, crew guys were like can i clean that gun for you and she's like nope leave it could she have palmed it from one of the other people on the chopper the tasing pistol no the the, the gun that she's putting in flint's face quite possibly but it looks like the gun that she was cleaning herself so maybe this is her her personal weapon and the other one with the taser attachment was just like a a backup a backup of the backup. That's it, that's <laughs> it. We got some uh, nice cameos here as well we haven't seen for a while. I'm jumping forward a few pages. We'll come back to the ninja stuff in a bit. But we get to see Barbecue and Lifeline. And the USS Flag. And the and USS Flag, which we haven't seen for a long time, yeah. Great stuff, yeah. The flag doesn't look too on model in, uh, its, in its representation here. It looks pretty much like any other nuclear um, carrier. Yeah. Well, you'll know. You're, you're the, the mm. flag expert, so... Yeah, yeah but there are a looks few too, signature looks tells. Is it the size or is it just the, the specifications? Look, it's all going to be scaled up uh, f- in any case because, yeah. I mean, the toy flag, big as it is, it kind of mucks with the proportions of necessity because obviously okay. you, you're using a far larger action figure relative to the size of the, yeah, of the, the aircraft carrier. But there are a few, like, tells that the flag should have. And the f- one is that it should have a crane uh, behind the island. And I don't right. really think I can make that out here. Okay. Also, there's a kind of an overhang that the island has, which isn't present here. It's got a more like flat face. Yep. Um, yep. But you know what? An aircraft carrier is an aircraft carrier. If you call it the USS flag, <laughs> I'm a believer. <laughs> <laughs> and um, again, excuse my naivety, but Barbecue and Lifeline, did they get like second edition figures or anything? Because these are obviously the original outfits they came in, but I'm not aware of if they had new edition figures with different outfits uh, remind me when this was published this was yeah did, 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 november 2011 all right so i think lifeline had just had an excellent new version okay it used the same design as his his original so you know, white booties on a red jumpsuit yep. uh, and that signature helmet. But the helmet was removable. He came with a mess of accessories. Beautiful okay, so maybe accessories this is too. Maybe this is the new design and it's just that I'm not familiar enough with the original. It's kind of new. off-model on that as well. But uh, you know what? That's okay. The, the, the broad strokes of Lifeline are there. I think yep. Gallant was just kind of uh, tweaking some of the details, like giving yep. him a nice big old white backpack. Yeah. The guy likes his white accessories, what can we say? That's he it, keeps them it. clean. Um, I'm going to jump back to some of this ninja stuff in Brighton Beach now because we don't get to understand the true motivations as yet for the Blue Ninjas, do we? 
I don't think. We just we just know they're after the the Russian guy. Yeah, it seems like they are after anything Rashikage. Yeah. So their initial intention is to eliminate the Russian. Uh, but then they realize there are even ah. higher priority targets present. That's right. They sort of do yeah. a, a facial recognition and come up with uh, Storm Shadow being sort of the heir, uh, Snake Eyes being this kind of mystery man, and then Billy being a known associate. Yeah. And so their, their attentions quickly turn uh, yeah. <laughs> to their detriment, however, because they realize very quickly that uh, they're not fully prepared for you know, all this Arashikage yeah. mastery. And correct me if I'm wrong, but these guys are the Blue Ninjas, yeah? Because yeah, when, but it's a when new faction. Storm I mean, this Shadow, is, this is... When Storm Shadow says, and you wish to test the skill of the Arashikage clan, the, the Blue Ninja says, mystic mumbo-jumbo, science and hardware trumps that. So it's almost like he, you know, he doesn't believe in ninjutsu or anything like that, but he is himself a Blue Ninja. I was a bit confused about that. Well, I think the, the the term Blue Ninja kind of comes into use after this point. And it's okay, just the right. kind of the term that they used to talk about these guys before we learn who they actually uh, are affiliated with. Got it. And this is kind of controversial. And it's, it's going to be a recurring theme for me, at least, because I'm not entirely sold on this subsect, this new antagonist. Yes. Um, I guess I'm just too much of a sucker for actual, you know, canonized... The enemies that have actually toys made yes. of them, and yep. these guys do not. Okay, so they, they never had toys, right? They get my heckles, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very interesting to me because, you know, I, I don't know as much about the toys, if anything, but I was under the assumption that pretty much everything that appeared in the comics was off the back of toys. But So that's very interesting to hear that they didn't actually get toys and Harmer had created mm. his own villains. Maybe the move to IDW, they relaxed the the hasbro not the hasbro links but relaxed what hasbro were asking of the publishing company as opposed to what hasbro were asking of marvel yeah the toy line was starting to wind down at this point i mean it became more focused with movie toys which obviously has no bearing on on what larry harmer was doing but he's always had like a long history of creating his own antagonists i mean quinn dr venom uh obviously sort of the cabal of generals or jugglers if you want to kind of go into the gray area so the blue ninjas represent that but man anytime i'm reading characters that don't have plastic i kind of (laughs) have a bit of contempt i'm not gonna lie it's it's, it's difficult to get excited about non-action figure characters i'm like i want to assemble the entire cast of figures in front of my comic book and then have a read and kind of i don't know the kid in me wants to act out the adventures the action's pretty good, though. I, I like the I like the scenes. I like the the panels that Gallant's drawing here for the action of the ninja stuff. Intercut with high drama at sea. I mean, as we mentioned in the previous issue, not only do we have two uh, really seriously injured personnel on the chopper, but yeah. the chopper itself is stricken. They're leaking yeah, it's fuel. They're leaking... It's, it's suspenseful stuff because you know this is where the flag comes in because they're gonna kind of gonna do an emergency. Can they ditch in the sea or are they gonna make it to the flag, etc. All the while, Lady Jay's bleeding out. Darklon is the the prisoner, but he's being treated. So there's a lo- lot of moving parts here. A lot of moving parts, and the other moving parts or the the removed parts happen here as well because the the Russian master gets his leg chopped off and he's got robotic leg. It uh, it's actually Billy, man. Oh, is that Billy? Yeah. Oh shit, man. I I tell you what. I oh yeah, that the G- Russian Ninja Masters wearing red, and then at the end of the issue, of course, Billy is pronounced dead. 
bombshell. Did you see that coming? No. No. Of course, he's got a prosthetic leg. Of course it is. I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm absolutely letting the side down. But yeah, of course, the last, the you know, the two last panels or three last panels is Storm Shadow carrying Billy. He's with the hard master, the soft master, the blind master and all the rest. You need to tell us everything you know about the blue ninjas. Yeah, so now he's going to mm. quiz the Russian master because he wants answers. And then this is where we find out that the, the you know, the not yet named blue ninjas or, well, he's called them blue ninjas, but he gets dismantled and cut in half and he's you know the the blue ninja is a cyborg more like a mechanically enhanced human there you go yeah should we do a quick in memoriam for billy yeah what were yeah. your your thoughts on the character i mean he's his arc has finally been closed I, he's finally with the hard master and the soft master yeah says i i wasn't a billy hater i i really liked his first introduction where he was, you know, being coerced by Baroness and Major Blood to assassinate his dad and then got put on trial by Cobra Commander. That was a nice kind of twist that he would do that to his son. Then the rescuing by Storm Shadow. I thought, and I'm willing to give this a free pass, him training him I was okay with, but him going full ninja in the space of a short period of time was like, uh, okay, that's that's not the most realistic, although... We're reading comic books here, so you know, we got we use the term realism with a pinch of salt. But um, oh, yeah, yeah, I, th- I think since that Marvel run ended, I'm not. He hasn't featured massively in this IDW stuff, but the kind of teased out romance with the Baroness I thought was didn't really go anywhere because that was supposed <laughs> to incite jealousy from Destro, and I'm not kind of sure that was followed through. But uh, I think he went out with a whimper more than a bang, to be honest. But what about yourself? Well, yeah, perhaps it is unfortunate that he went out with a whimper, but maybe that's just how, you know, death is in Homer's mind. And, and it, it's it's realistic to, to make it arbitrary, you know. Some guys come back from the mission, some guys don't. And it's, you know, luck of the draw almost. I think Billy represents the broadest arc in G.I. Joe. Yeah. I think we meet him even before the... Uh, Cobra Commander assassination yeah, I plot. I think we meet him in issue 10, issue which 10. is um, a little town called Springfield where he's in the arcade. Is that right? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's incarcerated with the Joes. So he starts out as kind of an anti-Cobra movement. And the revelation that he was Cobra Commander's son just heightens the drama. Yeah. Then him being taken under the wing of Storm Shadow. So he's, he's had several different masters, be it the Joes, be it Destro, be it the Arashikage ultimately. What we don't ever see is him kind of being a grown-up standing on his own two feet. And I suppose we have other, like, alternate universe runs to replace that. I know Devil's Due made him a really grizzled, hardened adult master. You know, he kind of was definitely the kind of the older Billy that uh, we perhaps always wanted. Almost like a Snake Plissken. The long hair, the (laughs) eye patch. I'll tell you what, sidebar... Sidebar, uh, shit, man, you're always giving me homework. I've got to go and watch uh, Escape from New York now. Um, Get on it, buddy. <laughs> I uh, I watched uh, Big Trouble in Little China last night. And what man. do you think? What do you give it on Letterboxd? I uh, give it five. I love it. Oof, all right, I love it. nice. I, I only discovered it late in the game, and uh, maybe I need to revisit it. Uh, you know, it, it is very off the wall, very wacky. Yeah. And you yeah. kind of have to know that almost coming in. Otherwise, um, it's like, huh? Secondary dry. sidebar, after I've watched Escape from New York, do I watch Escape from LA? 
I have seen it. I've seen it multiple times, but not in a long time. So am I setting myself up for disappointment? I can't remember loving it, but I can't re remember thinking this is an absolute dud. Uh, don't they do like CGI surfing, surfing. on a giant yeah, wave? Yeah. Oh, man. All right, I'll just I don't do know. Escape from New York. You, no, look, you might, you might find some merit in it. In fact, the only way you're going to find merit in it is if you do them back to back. Ben's logic really does hold that sometimes you need to approach a series as a binge. You need to do them yeah. all together. Ooh, Siri's just talking to me. Shut up, Siri. <laughs> <laughs> um, because if you get that continuity going, all of a sudden the sequels, which are inferior, are kind of buoyed by the original source material. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. You get, you get the, the good feelings kind of wafted over. Yeah. yeah, and it seems like there is a kind of continuity. You're just getting shoveled more of that stuff that you supposedly liked. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Well, try it and report back to me. I Let will. me know if, if it's an absolute stinker in spite of having watched Escape from New York before it. I will, I will. Mm. Lastly, I just want to touch on this issue. Love that scene where the tomahawk does actually finally come down and crash onto the flag. How anyone survived that is, <laughs> is anyone's guess. It looked pretty full on. Yeah. Uh, Wild Bill actually auto-rotates onto the deck, which is, uh, you know, if your engines have actually died, a helicopter can still come down reasonably softly. It doesn't just drop okay. out of the sky. What does that mean? The, what does that mean to a layman like me, auto-rotate? Well, the, the propellers just keep spinning on their own inertia. Okay. So they are slowing down, but they're slowing down gently enough for them to still generate lift. Right. So, okay. I mean, you best have a landing terrain picked out yeah. uh, because you're not going to make much more distance, but you're not going to just drop straight out of the sky. Okay. Good job we got I Bill suppose at the helm, yeah? For sure, man. And uh, a lift ticket as well. If oh, there are yeah, two course. men that know their tomahawk better than those, uh, yeah. I ain't found any. <laughs> <laughs> no, this was good. I mean, should we yo-jo this, this couple of issues? Ooh, do we do them as a four-issue arc since we missed out on the last two? Yep. Are we thinking that is enough of, of is it is it one four issue arc do you think we can, yeah let's do it let's do it as a four issue arc so let's do one six nine up to one seven two hmm well we've got a lot of story coming out in these uh, and that always kind of bogs me down I'm like get on with it guys but the action really picks up the pace and so S Jub's first rating will be right down the middle with a three. Whoa, we go out of seven here, pal. Uh, oh, we go damn. Out of seven. We go out of ten. I think I've given away my score. We go out of ten here. All right, six and a half. Six and a half. Um, cheers. Wait a minute. Right down the middle, uh, six and a half. Okay, fine. We're going out of 13, <laughs> are we? They do things differently in South Africa. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, no. Maths six, are not good in Africa. Six and a half. Um, I really enjoyed these. I'm going in with a high seven. So, Oof, seven nice. and a half. Uh, Good stuff. You can uh, do your homework. If you, I got to read, I got to watch Escape from New York. You can watch it as well, but you don't have to. But if the uh, listeners want to read along with this, they can do it. They can read one seven three one seven four ahead of next week's show. How are you liking the two issue format? Do you think we should maybe increase that to three or four if we get if we get a definitive arc? Or are you happy with the two? What's your thoughts? Uh, but there are no definitive arcs with Harmer. It all kind yeah. of just bleeds into one, doesn't it? I think two by two is a nice manageable chunk. It's something that anyone listening to this can certainly digest uh, in a matter of, of yep. half an hour. 
Sounds good. I don't know, Chiefy. Up to you, man. No, no, sounds I'll, good. I'll, Two, I'll, two's good because that will keep the pod going longer as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, now that we've learned about comics, uh, I need you to educate me about toys. So it's time for Toy Talk. Steve talks about toys. Ho, ho. Steve talks about G.I. Joe. He talks about all the toys from the comic book and the animated show. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Here's a link I'm sending you to uh, 3D Joe's page so you okay. can pour that over man this does guy. good work. Incredible. Cosmo Texas, yep. shout outs to you, buddy. Uh, yeah, he is, he's definitely doing amazing work. Especially if you need to educate yourself about. Yes. It has to be done, ladies and gentlemen. It's Darklon from yeah. 1989. Yep. I mean, if there was one arc where we could actually touch on this interesting and divisive figure, it had to be this one. So, let's have I'm a interjecting little... there. Um, you're going to tell me why, but divisive? Uh, I'm interested there. Because of his look or what? I'm jumping the gun. You... you carry on, sir. You hit the nail on the head, Chief. He has a very unique look. Uh, you either love it or hate it. I think there's no real middle ground for this guy. It's all over the shop. It's taking weird and wacky design elements that ask more questions than they answer. Uh, but we'll get into that. Let's first have a look at what the blurb, a.k.a. the card, has to say. Codename Darklon, Evader Driver. Darklon is a distant cousin of the Destro clan, and the last of a long line of privateers, mercenaries, and investment bankers. From his cast-iron castle in the Alps, he dispatched his private armies to do battle for the highest bidder, until Destro called upon him to lead his legions in his bid to take over Cobra. Then there's a quote. Completely unhindered by ideology or ethics, Darklon is motivated purely by greed. His telephone solicitors have been known to drum up business for his mercenary army by offering reasonable hourly rates and cash rebates. <laughs> what a scumbag. Yeah, he's definitely on the dividing line between pure commerce and mercenary armies. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's Where a very do you thin- sit? Which side of the line do you sit on? I had this guy as a child. Uh, I so remember he was... playing with. I didn't have him, but I remember Ben had him. Yeah, when when he first came out, because we, you know, had only seen him in the comic briefly and didn't really know much background. It was like this guy looks like he's come out of some kind of superhero comic. Absolutely. And did you have his included vehicle? He did have his vehicle. Yeah. Oh, wow. So you do have some memories of this guy. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it came out in 1991 in the UK and South Africa. Uh, they changed the branding on the box slightly. It no longer has, has his Iron Grenadiers affiliation, which I always find very confusing. You know, when we got this stuff, they lost all the kind of Iron Grenadiers um, lineage or, yeah. or accreditation. So we kind of got information through the file card and other means that kind of made this guy look like Iron Grenadiers. I mean, he certainly has a Destro sticker on the front of the vehicle. Uh, but we lost a part of the puzzle by not getting the branding. So it was always like a kind of a, a mystery to us. Uh, the vehicle also has a little bit of a blurb which gives us information about Darklon. It says... Wherever there's a confrontation between two enemies, you can bet your bottom dollar Darklon and his evader will be there to supply both sides with enough arms to keep the battle going for a long time. Mm. How did you use this guy in your playtime, Chief? That's interesting. I think we used him with Destro and the Iron Grenadiers, so he was definitely mm. in that affiliation for us when we were playing. Did you get as far as to making him like pedal arms? 
Um, I don't think so. No, I don't. Was okay. it, did, so he was did just you go down that route. I think I gave him some kind of command responsibilities, whether he was an arms dealer or not. Not so much. I mean, he he represented like a third faction for me, uh, right. which I, I don't think I had a Destro at the time. But like there were the sort of the devout Cobra followers and then Darklon plus another guy, Cesspool. They kind of made up a bunch who were in it for profits more than more than uh, military victories, so to speak. So they were kind of on the on the margins. And in keeping with the file card information, they were kind of selling arms to both Cobra and G.I. Joe. Yeah. But uh, any thoughts on his included vehicle? I mean, do you regard him as a vehicle driver or just an, a deluxe figure? Yeah, I, I wouldn't have tagged him with the vehicle per se. Sure. I, um, it's a weird, interesting uh, sort of recumbent bike. <laughs> yeah. He's lying down facing forwards with this kind of clamshell armor, which, yeah, when I was a child, that was impenetrable. I mean, this guy was like cruising down the battlefield. Bullets were plunking off that thing left, right and center. And he was just like cool as a cucumber. Of course, the fact that he's flapping in the breeze on either side was never exploited. No. Uh, I guess had a very kind of one dimensional approach when it came to gunfire. Yeah. Um, but what was fun about the vehicle. So Darklon came with a rather funky uh, they call it a rifle on the box, but it's clearly not. It looks like a paintball gun mixed with like a dart launcher. Yeah. I mean, it's got this kind of rotary barrel. And I think they did use it in the uh, original Marvel run. Um, he kind of incapacitates Road Pig with some tranquilizer darts. Okay, so yeah, clearly yeah, yeah. it is a kind of a, a non-lethal weapon. But it's scoped. I mean, it's it's bizarre. It, you could use it, I suppose, as a child as like a, a little minigun if uh, you were so inclined. Yeah. I so think we thought it was a roll. minigun, yeah. Nice, nah, smart. And that's always way more fun than a dart launcher. <laughs> but if you were hard up for some lethality, you could actually pop the, the side cannons off his evader vehicle and use those as personal weapons. Ah. Trouble is, they'd just have a giant hole in the middle. But they had a, a very satisfying design. Nice, meaty gun. Looked like something out of, I don't know, uh, Alien, maybe. Yeah. So are we presuming that his kind of green uh, full body clinging top is head to toe or does it stop at his waist? I have a theory on Darklon. I think that's his skin. Okay. <laughs> Take a look. It's got a kind of a texture pattern to it. I feel like the designers were in two minds about Darklon. Is he a mercenary who just has a funky dress sense yeah. or is he some kind of reptilian creature yeah this might have been a design that that fell off the table uh in the cobra law era and was just kind of retained and then peddled off in 1989 uh and if that was the case giving him a exposed torso kind of does make sense i mean yeah. it's it's irregular it's teched out he's got a single glove on his right hand and no glove on his other instead he's got like a techie gauntlet on his left forearm so it it does feel to me like and, and it was also his body is very defined i mean yeah. you can see abdominals you can see his pecs the man is cut um <laughs> so that that tips me off that it might be flesh did we ever see him without his mask on no the fact that his eyes are a pinkish hue with a green border make me think like these are reptile eyes yeah. You know, you can actually see his skin beneath the mask. Do you think the mask uh, reminds you of anything? It's a little bit Vader-ish, I guess. Vader, sure. But I'm going with the Micronauts. 
Baron Carza, man. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's even got those kind of like ornate circular ports at yeah, the bottom, yeah, yeah. which is something that Micronauts had in, 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 in good measure. Yeah, you're right, yeah. The other thing that I'd like to draw attention to, uh, his insane personal weapon loadout on the action figure. Okay, he's got a, a cool, like, uh, handled dagger on his uh, left thigh, or left shin, left yep. calf, that's the one. <laughs> Get your anatomy straight, Jubs. Yep. But then on the other leg, he's got no less than 16 golden grenades. What? Oh yeah, round his, I see it now, around oh, the top of his man. boot. As a child, this was a huge liability. If you managed to penetrate his impenetrable vehicle, <laughs> if you shot him anywhere near those grenades, he would go up like the 4th of July. <laughs> Unless they were like uh, jingle bells. I mean, that is a right. huge liability. Yeah, yeah. Big time. He can't even... How, how, how long, realistically, would it take him to even throw 16 grenades? Well, I'm just trying it now. One, two... Yeah, I'm fumbling around. Keeps getting yeah, a workout. Yeah, I'm dead. I'm dead. Damn, son. Bend and snatch. Uh, <laughs> clean and jerk. Workout terms. Um, dude, maybe he's selling them. He's like, do you think these are regular grenades? Yeah. No, no. They're gold-plated grenades. Yeah, or Fabergé eggs or something. Yeah, increasing uh, the Darklon profits. That's it. No, all good. in all, an interesting character. As I say, you either love him or hate him. Uh, he asks more questions than he answers, but he's kind of popped in and out he's, he's been there for yeah. uh for the duration and has finally had his his finest hour i'd say i'm on board yeah. the uh, darklon train so I'm, I'm i'm in i'm interested to see where these next few issues are going do you think he just hung out underneath the ruins of his castle indefinitely yes <laughs> i mean if you and i had seen uh rise of skywalker i suppose we could draw parallels with like palpatine just <laughs> hanging out on that planet <laughs> just hanging out just waiting <laughs> just chilling yeah Totally. With his totally. fanatics, yeah. Yep. Yeah, man. Well, that must suck, working for Darklon. It's like, we haven't seen sunlight in uh, <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> yeah, but he pays well. No, I've probably, he probably doesn't pay well, does he? I imagine he's a bit of a cheapskate. How would you spend your money yeah. if you're consigned to this tomb with him? I mean, that's always the question. Like, all these guys, they're just stacking up the cash for what? Yeah. <laughs> That was good. Good chat about Darklon. Um, you did you get him when he first came out? He was in abundance. Oh, we really? definitely got yeah, man. So South Africa typically got all the stock that uh, was unable to be sold in the UK and Europe. So we got a dump of Darklon and the Evader. We got uh, the Fang Two Tilt Rotor Helicopter. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh, and we also got the G.I. Joe Pulverizer, which was supposedly a Battle Force 2000 vehicle, but came out two years too late. Okay. Um, we just had tons of that stuff, right, man. Okay. So, obviously, I bought all three. <laughs> and found merit in them. Maybe that was the joy of being in a kind of a de a sort of retail dead end, as it were, yeah. back in South Africa. Yeah. We really did get the, the, the crumbs from everyone else's table. So we've got love for the for the little guys. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Um, more education for Chief next week, hopefully. <laughs> you betcha. Good, good. Right now that I'm educated, I feel like I can confuse someone and hopefully you're going to jump on the bandwagon and confuse someone as well because it's time for Over Egg in the Pudding. We got a pudding. We got a pudding. We're going to over egg that pudding. Ain't got no criticisms 
We got some Commonwealth colloquialisms. Pudding, pudding, pudding. Over egg that pudding. Yeah, we love that pudding. And the colloquialisms. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We got British colloquialisms and we got South African colloquialisms. Um, you go first, my friend. In typical Johannesburg corporate culture, there's a term called uh, hundreds, my brew. Okay. Do you want to take a stab at what that might mean? Hundreds, my brew. I'm going to say something like uh, 100% brother or something like that. I don't know. Uh, so something is, you know, good or on point or it, it's all done and dusted. <sighs> You're on it, bro. Uh, clear, clearly, uh, I right haven't mystified not? you not nearly enough. That is correct. You are on the money. Okay. If you say hundreds, my brew, it is kind of saying 100%, which okay. means absolutely. Um, uh, to use it in context, like, did you file those reports? Hundreds, my brew. Okay. I, I had not <laughs> heard is... that before, so that is definitely a South African colloquialism, so that is not commonplace over here, but um, I, I was not aware of that, but I'm going to start using it. Oh dear! Well, it is very peculiar to a kind of a corporate business culture. Yeah, I was going to say know if when you're in the you right setting. Actually, man. I was confused because when you said in a corporate business scenario, that's what got me thinking. Oh, maybe it's not that. You know, it almost <laughs> oh, feels like street misleading. slang more than anything. Hey, man, just like a, a Herb Trimpy cover, I'm trying to take you down the garden path, you know, <laughs> mislead you on purpose. What yeah. you got for me, Chiefy? Um, I don't think I've used this on the show already. If I have, apologies. I can't even remember what I used last week. Um, so I might have even used it last week. So I was at work and I wanted to play a game of table tennis. We've got a table tennis table at work. And I said to the guy who's being slow, and I said, come on, hurry up, you ball bag. And uh, yeah, I called him a ball bag. And that's just basically a, well. Nutsack. Yeah, it's just kind of a friendly jibe, if you will. Another guy heard it and he said, oh, I haven't used the word ball bag in about 25 years. And he just kept laughing for about five minutes. And he just went around the office just literally calling people ball bags. Oh, hey, your ball bag. <laughs> um, Chief, don't you have a close pal called uh, ball bag something? <laughs> uh, I'm recalling um, old episodes with Ben where oh, wow. uh, that you, was you rattle that, off. Yeah, that, that was when there was uh, ball bag bud. This is your... Yes. Ball bag, but yeah, your 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 betting pool. Uh, How fun, do you remember that, my league. friend? Jeez, that was that Brother, was that's about nine months ago, pro- and we were having I we have... were doing fantasy golf betting. That's it. And nice. uh, there was all the crew. Yeah, there was a T Dizzle, Ball Bag Bud, G Smitty, Danny Ads. <laughs> um, Love it. Yeah. Oh man. That's it. Oh, well, <laughs> well done. Well done, I... sir. Well done, sir. You done Listen, your homework. You, you can stop congratulating me. It's not homework <laughs> because I I think I represent the perfect trajectory of. <laughs> Fan of show from the beginning, practically. I mean, Jim Godfrey got me onto you guys. Shout okay. out to Jim. Uh, so that was, I think, by episode two. Uh, and I've I've now transitioned. <laughs> I've become the ultimate uh, version of myself, which is now co-host with you, Chief. Yeah. Well, I'm long, I'm honoured. I'm honoured to have you on, sir. So the pleasure is all mine. That is that is for real. Good. Well, yeah. as with any relationship, uh, you always have to ask the question. You know, there are two types of people. There's the sexy one and the lucky one. <laughs> Which one are you? <laughs> Can we be both each? Can we uh, both that's be what I keep convincing my wife. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll let the listeners decide. Uh, so, as always, well, Jen, not always, as is about 50% of... 
the time since we moved over to the IDW uh, reread, uh, I have forgotten to ask the listeners a question. So instead, we're just going to go with this. Chief Steve, a question. Chief Steve, a question. What'll he say? What'll he do when Chief Steve, a question? Mm. And Jingle perfection since episode one. And um, ahead of time, I'm going to actually broach this now, ahead of next week. We want you, the listeners out there, to give us a question that you want answered. So you ask us a question. So post it on all the socials. We'll give you all the links later as we close out the show. You probably know them already if you're listening. But uh, we want you to ask us a question, something you want to know, and that will be next week's question. But in terms of this week... I've been doing a lot of retro gaming recently, uh, most notably Sega Rally and California Games, and we briefly offline touched uh, on the fact that you were kind of a PlayStation 1 man. What are your most memorable games from the PlayStation 1, sir? Ah, Well, the very first game I got into was Wipeout. That was, uh, as a series of games, that was just... So, so sexy. The design of it is probably the most compelling thing for me. And that goes hand in hand with the the soundtrack. Wow. Um, it was like electronic dance music before EDM was a term. Yeah. You know, those banging Chemical Brothers tunes that always was a kind of a, a, a hallmark of the soundtrack. Left Field was in there. Massive, massive dance artists were giving their music to this this title. Yeah. Uh, now, you've given me mo- more homework. I've got to watch oh, Escape from New York. And now I'm actually going to play Wipeout 2097. The sequel, mm, they, which is my favourite. That's, better better. that's, that's in the top five all-time video games, all format for me. So, anyway. 2097 has a, a sort of machine gun, doesn't it? On the on the craft, on your, on your ship. Yeah. On yeah. your racer, you mean? Mm. Yeah, you basically, you flew over... No, it doesn't have one as by default on a button press. Uh, uh, but I think... But if you, you get it charged up... When you pick up... When you, when you go over the power-ups, I think one of them is a machine gun, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, the other wipeouts had d- different armaments, rockets, uh, missiles, I don't know, the earthquake number. Yeah. But I think 2097 was the only one where you could actually have the satisfaction of, like, rattling off rounds on a machine gun, That's which right. is always preferable, I yeah. find. <laughs> uh, so that was the style game choice. Um, the party play kind of game has to be Micro Machines V3. Oh, wow. Because with just two controllers, you could get four players simultaneously with a, like a controller share okay that was pretty innovative stuff i had micro machines on the mega drive and the cartridge had two controller ports on the cartridge so you could plug two controllers into the console and then another two into the cartridge itself for four player but i never actually Genius. played it on the playstation well they kept innovating you'd share the control so the one guy got the d-pad yes the vehicles would accelerate on their own basically you okay. could only kind of hold them back by pressing back uh, which actually was sort of into you, you know. You'd kind of be, yeah. you'd be, or, or you'd be cuddling pretty close to your uh, yeah, your other yeah. player because the other guy had the the circle, square, uh, triangle, X, yep. 
and you kind of face each other. Well, you'd face the TV, but your your hands and your body would be kind of angled towards yeah, yeah, one yeah. another. And the same for the other guys. So you could get four players simultaneous. So once again, Micro Machines just innovating party play. And for a toy fan of the Micro Machines toy line, the fun side was always just being able to play in these kind of shrunken down environments. Yeah, yeah. You know, you'd be actually on the breakfast table with cereals and yeah, knives and forks and stuff. Yeah, man, just that pretty much, level of immersion. That was pretty innovative because if you look at the Nintendo Switch now, you know, that, that supports multiplayers with very small little pads and people sharing. So, yeah, ahead of the time. But the premiere title for the PS1, Can I which guess? endures to this day and still fires my imagination and also just demonstrated exactly what you could do in terms of the cinematics of the medium. Can I guess? It's got to be... Oh, yeah. Fire away, Chief. Well, I've got three choices. Uh, I was going to say... Come on. You're going to get it in one. I was going to say... Metal Gear Solid. I was going to say Resident Evil, but I'm actually going to go... I had a third choice, but I'm not sure if this is a genre that you're a fan of. Uh, I was going to say Final Fantasy VII. You nailed it in one. While <laughs> well, Resident Evil and Final Fantasy... No, no, no. Your first guess was bang on the money, okay. so I'm going to give it to you, Chief. Okay. Um, while Resident Evil is a firm favourite in Final Fantasy, I can't snub even though I'm not an RPG guy. Metal Gear Solid was just so unique yeah. and so fresh in its directorial style. Just visionary stuff. Yeah. It meshed the kind of realism that you wanted uh, with a kind of a fantasy element that was very, very reminiscent of old school gaming. I mean, the whole format of like boss battles was something that was kind of very retro even at that point. Yeah, that bit where, but the level that bit of where you're playing against is it Psycho Mantis and your pad stops oh. working. And you've got to unplug it and plug it into the second controller port. So Madness. innovative. I recently played that uh, using the PlayStation Mini. Okay. <laughs> and so I don't think you can actually do the controller swap uh, properly. So I had to search alternative ways of defeating Psycho Mantis. Okay. Now then, Turns quick out there sidebar. Are. Is that, is that uh, PlayStation Mini worth getting? I've got the SNES and the Mega Drive. I need to... I have actually got an original SNES and an original Mega Drive, but I thought I don't have all the games that are on those, so I bought the mini versions anyway. But is the PS1 worth getting? As is, no. Okay. Uh, this comes more from my video game expert buddy Paul from uh, the G.I. Joburg podcast. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, the titles included are disappointing. Okay. The presentation is also a bit muck, but the PlayStation Mini is probably the easiest hacked of all of them. Ah. Uh, ah, so if you're prepared to straddle the fringes of legality, yep. you can make a very versatile mini platform. Okay. In fact, if you do have a, a, a sort of a, a buddy who can help you out, even better, because the PlayStation 1 can not, not only play PlayStation titles, but Nintendo, Super Nintendo, wow. uh, Genesis titles. You can, you can jam that thing with okay. any number of different emulators and ROMs. My my first memory of um, this is actually Chief Ask Steve a question, but I'm interjecting quite Ooh. a lot here. But I like this conversation, so I'm going to do it. My first memory of Metal Gear Solid was I was in my third year of university the first time around, um, because listeners will know that Chief hates work. So what he does is he goes back and does higher education to avoid working. Um, <laughs> but my first <laughs> university degree, my third year, I would have been nine. It would have been 1998, I think. Would it have been 99? I think it was 98. 
um, late 98. And it, Metal Gear Solid had come out, but it hadn't reached the UK yet. Yet, So me and the buddy I was living with, we got like an imported version, like a Japanese copy. I think we hacked the PlayStation somehow to, or did something to enable it to play imported titles. And we both took a week off of university. This was coming up to around time when we should have been studying for exams. We both took a week oh, off. Of course. We played it literally <laughs> solid from morning to night and completed it in that week. And it was like, what the hell is this? This is the most incredible thing we've ever done. So, yeah, that was definitely a it game changer for me. It formed the ultimate, ultimate inspiration for G.I. Joe for me. I think in the yeah. wake of Metal Gear Solid, G.I. Joe took on a whole new light. I was actually still young enough to still be playing with action figures, at least in my mind. I was about 14 when it came <laughs> out. So my closest buddies and I actually played Metal Gear Solid inspired adventures. And I would put cassette tape recorders around the, the house in very strategic locations so we could play excerpts from the game. Amazing. Like I had, I had soundtrack recordings of the kind of the, you know, I'm playing it right now yeah. in the edit Incredible. for the listeners. The, yeah, the uh, the sneaking uh, soundtracks, which just added the level of immersion of our toy playing games. It just dialed it up to 11. Those are probably some of the most memorable um, instances of, of yeah. toy fun that I've ever had. And it stayed with me to this day, man. It definitely is my happy place. Listen, so Metal Gear Solid will never be unseated. Listen, I've had yeah. an idea. Um, I'll, I'll run it oh, yeah? past Ben, but his wife is, uh, as as you know, if you've listened to The Out of Timers, she's an expert on kid culture and especially playtime. And uh, the way you're describing play is fascinating to me and really insightful. I love it. And uh, maybe you could come on The Out of Timers as a guest. We'll get Ben's wife on and we can discuss, uh, you know, childhood play and adult play. Dream come true, man. Okay, sounds good. G.I. Joburg's just taken over. <laughs> <laughs> it's a South African invasion. That's man. it. That's Recolonizing it. Uh, uh, the colonizer. Uh, that's brilliant. That's, uh, you know, fantastic. Good chat about um, some retro game in there. And, uh, yeah, thanks, Chief. I'm pumped, man. I actually packed my PlayStation Mini on this trip, so uh, I'm going to break it out. Of course, I need to disinfect absolutely every surface that I touch <laughs> so that uh, the wife doesn't uh, get too angry with me. Brilliant. But, man, it's going to happen. Yeah. Listen, man, we have given the listeners an absolute audio treat this week. We've packed it with content like uh, never before, so good stuff. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do that in all the usual places. That is talking underscore Joe on the Twitter talking joe comics on instagram and talking joe comics at gmail.com there's also talking joe a gi joe podcast on the facebook so we want you listeners out there to write in and tell us a question that you want answered by us for next week you can do that at all the usual places uh, as i've previously mentioned <laughs> so Chiefy. that is uh, the end of the show but where can the fine people find you sir I'd say if you uh, want to stay within the bounds of Talking Joe, I'm most active on the Facebook group. Uh, just tag me and um, we can have a little chinwag there. But if you are looking for G.I. Joeberg content, ah man, just search G.I. Joeberg in all the usual places. YouTube, we've just uh, uploaded a webisode uh, entitled Cold Fire. If you like watching grown men playing with action figures, <laughs> you've come to the right place. And if you don't, <laughs> uh, what's Instagram, wrong with you? Twitter. Because this stuff is gold. <laughs> cheers chief thank you um, it's gotten some great responses we really 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 love the comment section i go through the thing like basically loving every comment because people are just overwhelmingly supportive yeah uh, maybe they're just a, a handful of very vocal fans but we love them uh we're also on twitter insta 
uh, Podbean, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts, you'll find us. Yeah, good, good stuff. Check, check that stuff. I mean, all it's everyone listening know, knows who you are anyway. So um, <laughs> go and check check stuff out if you haven't. If you're a new listener to the show, because this guy is a, a legend in the community. If you want to get hold of me, you can find me on Chiefy Two Shoes. That's Chief Y Two Number Two Shoes on Twitter, or you can check out my other podcast. It's the Outer Timers. And that is on Instagram and Twitter. You can find it all on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes. And uh, if you do like it, I'm going to try and strong arm S Jubs onto the show for a guest spot as well. So that'll be something to look forward to. But um, with all that said and done, we will catch you down the road. 